everyone, and welcome to episode 426 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you this fine Monday, Richard? Good morning, Seth. Uh, still recovering from my cold, so... <laughs> Tell me about it. Good God. I did not... I, we were talking about this before the cast. I didn't remember colds lasting so long. I thought you got a cold for like a day or two, but I'm on like day five and I'm still like, oh, so congested. And That's oh. when you're young and healthy, Seth. As an yeah. old man, you're just like barely <laughs> scraping by here. <laughs> Yeah, oh, tell me about it. Yeah, death by cold. That would be embarrassing. Uh, we also have an, another co-host. Did Krim? Good morning, Krim. How are you? I am now wondering if I'm coming down with something. So I, I'm I'm not sure. Like, Just now that you heard us talking about colds, you yeah, start to yeah. get a little scratch in your throat, and yeah. Honestly, I've had a scratch in my throat since like yesterday, so I don't know. Uh, but yeah, like I I, I feel okay currently. We'll see where where hey. it progresses. Oh, well, that's good. Well, we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. We got March of the Machine spoilers, a couple. We're really kicking off spoiler season Wednesday, but we got some early ones. We got a Dungeons and Dragons secret lair drop that uh, Wizards kind of accidentally <laughs> posted that's going to be coming out in a bit. And then some smaller news, Mark Rosewater's teaser about March of the Machines, Oathbreaker kind of being a thing, some arena bugs, some Ixalan news, some TCG player news. So we're going to be jumping around, touching on a bunch of different topics today. Before we jump in, do it though a reminder that today's show is brought to you by card conduit and card conduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards and if you're tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards card conduit lets you skip them you don't got to do all the typing and spend all the time and do all the work with their curated service you can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a five percent service fee and if you want to put in a bit of effort on your end you can use this sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a two percent fee and no matter which one you choose you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed and right now you need to get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish cardconduit they're the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thank you to cardconduit for supporting the show let's talk about some magic and let's start with probably the biggest news of the week which is early march of the machine spoilers so we got like super early spoilers a month ago at sneak peek at the set over the last few days though Wizards uh, has been releasing the story of the set, and along with the story, we've gotten a couple of new Planeswalker cards before the official start of spoiler season on Wednesday. So, Richard, why don't you guide us through some spoiler cards? All right. You can check out all the preview cards at mtgpreviews.com. I've been waiting all week to see if I've gone insane. <laughs> Ren and Realmbreaker. People are freaking out. This is the next coming of Oko. We're talking modern playability. We're talking about legacy playability. I'm not <laughs> sure about this. So I wanted to ask you guys. Ren and Realmbreaker. 1GG. Legendary Planeswalker Ren. Uh, lands you control have tap. Add one man of any color. Oh, four starting loyalty, by the way. Uh, so that's the static. And then plus one. Up to one target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with vigilance, hexproof, and haste until your next turn. It's still a land. Uh, it does not untap, by the way. Minus two, mill three cards. You may put a permanent card from among the milled cards into your hand. Minus seven, you get an emblem with you may play lands and cast permanent spells from your graveyard. Is this is this Oko? 2.0? No, <laughs> no. Is this breaking no every four? Is, is, is this, this is initiative? No <laughs> it's a no-co. It's a no-co. I mean, it's a no-co. 
I don't think it's a bad card, but I think it's a little bit overrated. I know when I first read it, I just assumed that it untapped the land with its plus one because pretty much all like recent planeswalkers do that. I think if it untapped the land, it might actually be Oko. Like then I think we're talking about one of the best planeswalkers that's been printed in a while. As it is though, not untapping the land. If you think about it, you play this on turn three, what do you do with it? You take it down and like mill three cards and hopefully get something back to your hand. Like you should hit something if you're playing a deck full of permanence, but still you're only getting to see those three cards. It's not like a Tyvar where you mill three, but then you can return any creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. This is only those three specific cards. So I almost feel like this is a, a four mana planeswalker that costs three mana, if that makes sense. I think you want to play it on four so you can untap that land and have like the defense or not untap the land, but have an untapped land to play some defense. So I don't think it's bad, but I think it's actually like it's like a fine card for graveyard decks but i don't think it's uh, like a format defining card or anything close to that it's just a good card it's not yeah. like the sky is falling it, i don't think it's like the best like i could be wrong and this for some odd reason just is oko but like right now i think it just is okay like in this current standard it's just a okay card i don't even know what green deck yeah, would exist right now? <laughs> yeah, like, every, every set, I swear, I try to build the Urborg Lurgoyf deck. Every time a new set comes out, like, hold stick yeah. fingers, Urborg Lurgoyf. Every time, it's, like, fun, but not good. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. if Ren changes that. Like, see, like, the thing is, Ren doesn't, like, boost. I'm talking strictly standard uh, before I, someone yells at me, but what about this in XYZ format? But in standard... It's like Grixis, mono white, right? Mono red in best of one, sure. Esper midrange. And then you go down to Selesnya Poison. That's the first deck that will have green that's in the top uh, meta, right? So if that's the case, Selesnya Poison, do, do they want to Ren? No, I don't think they do. So then you keep going. And then eventually, uh, you do have five color midrange, but I guarantee you, is five color midrange in need of Ren? Probably not. So I. <laughs> The question here is, does Ren spawn an archetype themselves? I I actually, there is one place that I really Jund. like it in Standard that is not that is not my, like, Mimi Graveyard deck that always fails on me. But I think it's pretty interesting in some of the Atroxa Reanimator decks. I think that's one okay. of the decks that it cares about filling the graveyard because you're trying to reanimate Atroxa. Okay. So, like, the mill is actually beneficial. Plus, you can get back a whatever fable or something that dies. Sure. Like, that's some nice value. And the fixing's kind of relevant because you can play this and actually the Chromatic Lantern mode might let you just hard cast your Atroxa or your Cami War if you're that build. So, I think that maybe that deck would play some number of them just as, like, kind of a value-y card. Yeah. But I, I still like would you play four of them probably not but i would probably jam a couple in some of the five color atroxal is so yeah like what once you get down to like the five color mid-range deck so that's like the the sixth best deck right like if you look at like the meta percentages uh then yeah that's that's where you'll see most likely ren comes in but i'm curious does ren make an archetype outside of that it, like it makes... jun jun Windgrace, i think is another thing that kind of slipped off right and then it is a it lurks around but like yeah like so that's i think wind grace feels like a better home for it but i don't know if wind grace all of a sudden becomes tier one because of it it goes in my story spotlight deck <laughs> story spotlight drive <laughs> what <laughs> my, my flavor deck here um okay so okay. i actually thought it was regrowth until seth pointed out you only get like a permanent from the build cards so like this yeah. is like 
stone unplayable, right? Like, like, Ooh, that's a like you really high, need but... to combo with this card somehow. Like, it's not a good value card, right? It's just like, when you just play divination, like, if, you, if this is what you wanted to do, like, can you really take turn three off to do like the world's slowest and worst divination? Like, the, the plus one <laughs> is a laughably bad creature, right? It doesn't block well, it's a three three, which like does nothing. Like if it if it was indestructible, then we're right. talking, right? And people are like, oh, but in older formats, you can get a fetch land and then you can plus <laughs> it and then you can block sack. And I'm like, that's what you wanted to do for three mana, right? Like it's yeah. it's color fixing yeah. is weird because it's double green colorless. So like you have to skew heavily green and then hope you draw this to like get your color fixed. Uh which ironically is not actually that bad as Crim's mono green Grixis. Commander deck has shown us. Um, <laughs> but hey, yeah, that's a like, good deck. <laughs> that, that minus two is bad, no? Like, like why are people talking about this in Modern bad. and Pioneer and Legacy? Like, is this really like maybe you I played mean, in lands or something? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, 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 so think it does come down on turn two if you have a mana dork, which is nice. Right. Like, that's I think one of the upsides in older formats. Turn two, if you have a mana dork, <laughs> nah, I guess I guess that is that it, it could be a blood moon, it could be yeah. a blood moon, but uh, but yeah, I mean, if you care about playing a great, what about like what about the Grease Fang deck crib and like Pioneer Explorer? Like, would that be in the market for this? It's only three mana, it's filling your graveyard, it can be getting back like a, a Grease Fang that you mailed to a Seder Wayfinder or whatever, like mill cards you have. Is that worth it, you think, in a, a strategy like that? I mean, when you already have Liliana, I think Liliana plays better at that slot. Because, like, you know, at this point now, <laughs> Grease Fang uh, is so good and so potent. Like, this feels like it's actually dil diluting the deck, right? Like, like because uh, it's your choice is now this or Liliana of your Planeswalker of choice, right? I would choose Liliana. Liliana being able to plus eat your opponent's hand while also helping you bend the cards that's stuck in your hand, right? Like, I I think Liliana is just better. Hmm. It might be. Uh, I mean, curve. and you also, like... Double green cool. red into Liliana using the passive. <laughs> I mean... You get the best of both worlds. <laughs> you you sure... Then you become this weird Abzan Super Friends deck that also just has, like, a Sika's Chariot? Like, I don't, I don't know. I maybe don't like the, it. Uh, maybe the biggest vote against this card... And I think you might have frozen Krim routes. You're sitting very still. Oh, um, yeah, nope. <laughs> uh, maybe the biggest reason that I'm a little skeptical is Liliana the Last Hope doesn't really see play. And it does a lot of the same things. Like, it comes down for three mana. The plus one can defend it. It can even kill things. The negative two meals cards, and you get any creature back to your hand. And that's not a card that Grease Fang is really interested in. So, I don't know. I still think the card has potential in Graveyard decks is just a value card. But uh, I think it's a, a little bit too overhyped at this point. Uh, kind of hilariously, out of the two Planeswalkers they revealed, I think Ren is way overhyped. But the other one, I think, might actually not be not be as hyped uh, as... Not as hyped as it should be. All right. Archangel Avacyn. Two white, white. Four loyalty. Uh, create plus one, create a one, one white soldier creature token with lifelink. Minus two, put two plus one, plus one counters on target creature. It becomes an angel in addition to its other types and gains flying. Minus six, return all non-land permanents with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. I'm assuming you meant Archangel Elspeth. What did I say? Avacyn. Oh, 
<laughs> sometimes too, yeah. First off, I'm going to assume yes, that is, you meant that. Coming back as, a, as an angel. So this card, when it first came out, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. It looks a lot like uh, the original Elspeth, actually. Elspeth Knight yeah, Garrett, yeah. when you think about the abilities. And that card was legit 15 years ago. But it's been a while since I've seen anyone doing anything with, uh, with OG Elspeth. I, the more I've thought about this card, though, I think the negative two actually gives it a lot of potential. Like, I think, like, play Adeline turn three, play this turn four, just tick down two counters on Adeline, hit your opponent for, like, eight in the air or some ridiculous amount. Remember uh, three mana Johnny, a Johnny Caller of the Pride? How yep. it would come down for three and it had that negative that would just, like, give something <laughs> flying and double strike, and you just, like, throw yep. your biggest thing at your opponent's face? And that was very good. I'm almost imagining Elspeth being like the four mana version of that. You get a little bit of upside because it can, if you get time, like grind it out against control making tokens or whatever. But I really, for me, I think that negative two, if you can build a deck where that negative two is scary, I think that's where Elspeth can shine in standard. Doesn't Wandering Emperor have to like rotate for this to be like, because that's like, a big issue. Wandering Emperor <laughs> literally does what does what you just said, but like at an instant speed rate, right? Like it makes tokens grinding out control. It still grows your creature, but the difference is also is removal. So the Archangel Elspeth, even if there is a deck for it, it's not going to be right now. I think on on release, it's going to be kind of just <laughs> unfortunately just not good enough, right? Like at, compared to the Wandering Emperor. I think it replaces I... Elspeth, actually. <laughs> like the other Elspeth. So, oh, five right. Mana Elspeth. <laughs> like, like five mana Elspeth. Yes. So like literally when you play mono white or any white deck, you know what you win off of? Like that Whoa. plus one, like the flying counter and the lifelink counter from big Elspeth, right? You you get like your dirtily 2-2 knight from Wanderer. You slap a lifelink counter on it and a flying counter and then you just win. Um this does that at four mana and like much better uh, because it has its own lifelink. So you can plus one and then minus hit him with a three, three flying. And then if it's still around, then you minus again. Uh, and then you're hitting five in the air lifelink. Uh, so I think this is actually extremely good in standard. It does compete with Wandering Emperor, uh, but I think you kind of just play both and both. And I think. Yeah. Like, I also think that Elspeth may be better in aggro and Wandering Emperor is better in like mid-range and control. Like imagine like Selesnya Toxic, like you're playing your toxic stuff. Wandering Emperor is kind of it's like would be OK, but you don't normally play that. But imagine just like playing your toxic stuff and then you drop your bloated contaminator. And then the next turn you play this and send your bloated contaminator there, hit your opponent for six, get in the toxic, start proliferating. So I feel like that's where I'm more hyped about this, like the mono white mid-range deck. I mean, I guess it's okay, but, like, Mono White Aggro with Adeline, like, that's where this card scares me. Or, like, it makes a Soldier token. It's a little awkward in Soldiers because of Thalia taxing it. But still, like, Soldiers is another deck where you just play this and double negative two, and you're probably just, like, killing people. I was low on it at first, but I, I've really come around to thinking that it's good because of the negative two. I'm trying to think, like, how the negative, like, if the negative two is the truth or not like i you just get flying I, it's permanent right it's like a per, it's, yeah the difference between this and old elspeth is you needed to continually jump your creature but this right you just do it once so you can actually spread out your flying if you're afraid of removal or you can like voltron it up uh the fact that you can play with wanderer and get vigilance out of this 
is, is pretty good because now you have like a 4-4 flying vigil. You have a Sarah Angel, essentially, uh, which can become a 6-6 the next turn. Um, this might make green playable, I think. <laughs> right? <laughs> you play like some <laughs> so dirty green, green beater playable? and then you just you just jump it and like that's good enough, right? Like... Yeah, thrun them. Thrun them with your with your <laughs> no. angel thrun. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I won so many. Like, I play so much mono white, and that you literally just win with like flying life. So either it's ambitious farmhand, the greatest card in standard, <laughs> because it flips for the life link, right? Like once once you get like a five five and start gaining life, like people can't outpace you, right? Like you're like yeah. children. You're like whatever. I'll I'll draw eight cards because I have a ten ten life linker. Like who cares, right? Like so I I actually I, really I, highly value um, the life link soldier and then like giving random creatures flying, especially if your deck already has life linkers. Uh, so I I kind of like this as a one card win con. Is it better I, than I, I, Path, though, where you plus wait, plus Richard? Ultimate? Richard, Richard, Richard. How how do you? What timeline are you in where you get to play a one win con deck now? <laughs> Invoke despair. So many things just take out numerous stuff all at once. If you see Shialder, that I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I, does a soldier token count? Because that's how you <laughs> that's how you win games. Does like a does a wedding ring token count? Like not really winning. I mean, with the anything, the, right? we, the wedding announcement gets taken out usually. Yeah, but the leftover so, token, you've all tried it up. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. I mean, yeah. Like I don't know. I mean, that's the problem. I just feel like this alone okay the only thing this does is like it allows you to check two of the three boxes out of invoke despair so so wanderer <laughs> like, is the invoke despair eater right you come down and you yeah you you kill yeah. something and then it sits around to eat and invoke despair right and then archangel <laughs> elspeth can pump this out tokens to protect your real creatures but Spoiler alert, you don't have real creatures. They're all, like, dirtily one-ones. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. And, and also, because of Invoke Despair, it's important that you have a critical mass of Planeswalkers so your important one doesn't get picked off. So you need okay. to you need to play, like, two or three Planeswalkers. So I, I, I I'm actually pretty high on this card. I think it's actually really good. Uh, not, people are not just only sleeping on it, but I think you'll actually see it a lot. Um, maybe not more than Wanderer. Uh, because that just goes in literally every deck. Like, you play control deck, yeah. whatever, right? But any deck with creatures, which is most decks in standard, uh, I think can can use this card. And it's also worth mentioning, we are in proliferate standard. I, I remember, like, Koth. Yeah. The ability for Koth to, like, uptake one's proliferate ultimate is actually pretty powerful. That's the one thing Koth actually does well. And this kind of has that same play pattern where you could Elspeth uptake for a token, proliferate the next turn, ultimate to get like the mass sun titan effect and get back all your little soldiers or toxic creatures or whatever. So I actually, even though you don't want to usually evaluate planeswalkers by the ultimate, I think in a standard with proliferate, the ultimate's actually like relatively attainable on this one. But it sucks. <laughs> nah, it I think suck. I would never use the Sun Titan suck. Really? Well, yeah. in your mono mono white ambitious farmhand deck, you might not have enough. To like get you back, run out of honestly, targets but... for uh, the saga, let alone like try to ultimate this thing, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's true. Yeah, but I, mean, but, I, guess, no, I, think I, mean, I guess, guess you get back the spirited play. companion and keep draw some cards. <laughs> yeah, keep tuning up some lands farmhand. Yeah, I don't know what you would get because because farewell is in the format too, right? And a lot of like, yeah. graveyard hate. So even if you manage to ultimate, I don't know that you want to ultimate. Um, but it's plus plus ultimate. 
I, I yeah. do think that it, it goes, it, it, it could be played maybe. No, actually, I don't even know if the angel deck and Explorer wants it because you can't, it ruins your cocoa hits. <laughs> and all your stuff's already angels. Yeah, People angels are already. unreasonably excited about turning things into angels, but I'm like, well, all of your creatures are already angels. What is that actually doing in, in your angel deck? Well, your but, Bishop of Wings can now be an angel. Hey. You can get back hmm. Bishop. That ultimate literally gives back everything in your deck. <laughs> like, the, is there? like it. Yeah, that's true. And you can gum up the board pretty well. Man, maybe it right. could be a sideboard card for, like, Selesnya Angels or something. I could see that. Okay, you gain a lot you, of life. What if you plus one, get a 3-3 three, three elemental with Ren, and then put two plus one plus one counters on it? <laughs> <laughs> Hit him with a 5-5. Five, five, and then you can start milling with Ren to fill your graveyard for your for your Archangel Elspeth Broke ultimate. it. Broke we broke it. standard. We did okay. it. <laughs> and then the, the passive helps you cast double greed into double white. Perfect. Perfect. Using all, all text of the cards. I'm, I'm a genius. <laughs> You've solved the game. So, so those are the those are the two cards we got from March of the Machines. Like we mentioned before, spoiler season kicks off Wednesday. Wizards doing a stream, I think, at 1 Eastern to uh, re-kick off spoiler season. And then we got spoilers for the whole next week. Tons of cards coming out. We actually have the following week a Commander deck to show off for y'all on the Commander Clash podcast. So uh, look forward to that. But we also got some more spoilers. This is from uh, some Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves secret layer drop action. So apparently yep. uh, this is an upcoming Universes Beyond Secret Layer Drop with unique cards that we haven't seen before. However, I don't think it was supposed to be previewed yet. It seems like from the best I can tell, uh, one of Wizards sites in, I think it was Japan, but maybe uh, Singapore, I think it was, they they put up an ad for this and then people started to talk about it. And then once they realized people were talking about it, they took it back down. So I'm imagining it wasn't supposed to go live yet, but they did it accidentally, but it's out there now. So uh, we got a, a whole bunch of new cards actually. Uh, Rich Richard, why don't you uh, guide us through some secret layer X Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves cards? All right. Um, have you guys seen the trailer? Yes. Yes, I have. The art here portrays the actual actors and actresses, right? It's Chris Pine. It is, right? That's right. That's yeah, your okay. Captain Kirk from when, the Star when Trek. When does that release? Wait, is that? Do you guys oh, it know? is. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I've actually seen advertising for this movie. Like I, I drove on the highway and there's like a giant billboard of Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, there's hope that this movie is actually legitimate and the the lighthearted take on it people seem to like. So if all goes well, maybe we'll see a magic movie. You mean the Marvel effect? Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently it releases in full on Friday as well. So yep. I wonder if the Seeker Lair Drop is coming out soon-ish. It would make sense to line it up with a movie, right? Yeah. It but, would make sense, but will wizards do it? They're like, oh, are, we're printing problems. We'll see you in six parts. Are, are you guys gonna? Are you guys actually gonna go see the movie? Like, are you going to the theater to watch the D and D movie? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I like this this movie. I I've had a lot of friends who love D and D. Uh, they saw it. They loved it. They thought it was an absolute blast. So I'm kind of curious how it is. At first, I thought it was gonna be kind of like it looked kind of bad, uh, but then. You know, as I as I continue to watch the trailers for it, it started getting a little bit better, and now I'm full on hype for it. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> curious to see how it plays out. Uh, just seeing like the fantasy this Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> I I I have watched Lord of the Rings. That is not the issue. <laughs> I have watched Lord of yeah. the Rings. <laughs> Trust on that. The thing uh, is, yeah, like this this 
looks fun. And so I'm happy to see that the commander cards that are attached to it also are, some of them are pretty sweet, dude. Yeah. Well, I'll have to watch it when it makes its way to uh, the Wizards streaming service. I guess I guess it will come <laughs> on Netflix or Amazon. Because <laughs> Wizards doesn't have a streaming service. But uh, I'm, I'm an old man. I, I can't go to the movie theaters. <laughs> uh, okay. So. Chris Pine. Uh, oh, no. I don't even know any of these names. Edgin. <laughs> Larcenous Lutinous. One blue, red, three, three, legendary creature, human bard. One non-land card. Each non-land card in your hand without Fortel has Fortel. Its Fortel cost is equal to its mana cost, reduced by two. When you cast your second spell each turn, go target creature and opponent controls. Oh, yeah. I mean... Okay. Wait, hold. Wait, does this do anything? <laughs> sure. But like th- this one is So you foretell it for two, and then right. you like flip it up for its real cost minus two. Right. Yeah. So you're like mana neutral, basically. As if you just I casted mean, it for real. You just get yeah. to queue up all your cards together, right? It kinda I mean, helps with it kinda helps with playing two spells in a turn. Yeah. Like you can foretell one to like get a discount in the future so you can more easily cast two right. spells. But yeah, yeah. Y- yeah, that's not gonna combo off or anything, I don't think. This card this card is sweet though. Like it, it's not like it's comboing off. It's just Edgin making it so you get a spell cheaper for later, uh, is cool. And then when you get to goad. I love the idea of the goading. That's just a lot of fun, right? I mean, I do it like also decks. And, and goading kind of feels like it could be bardy, you know what I mean? So, like, because he is a bard. So, I, I like it from a flavor standpoint. I think it plays, it looks like it would play real fun, like like a, a fun card. It, it plays better, or it seems better than the blue-white uh, uh, Fortel Commander, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I, I like this a lot more. So, I don't know, this just looks, and it's cheap, too. It's only a one blue-red for a 3-3. Three, three. I like this. It comes down to a pretty... It, it's aggressively costed. It's not too broken. Uh, I think that's the main thing. It's just it feels like a fun commander. Yeah, if you want to build a Fortel deck, like, I guess the thing I like about it is we just... Uh, there's really only one Fortel commander, and we have a decent amount of cards with that mechanic, and there's some cards that actually, like, Cosmos Charger reward you for playing a Fortel deck. So I think it's cool to have another Fortel commander. I think it's, like, kind of medium power level-wise, but more yeah. more support for Fortel's cool. I want to play Fortel Storm. <laughs> Just every turn, you foretell something. You have like 20 cards in the Fortel uh, exiled. And your photo's like, what are you even doing? You're like, don't worry. Here's my whole <laughs> don't worry. For it. <laughs> Just wait. And then they're like silent. So you're like, no. Uh, okay. Nice try. Like discard deck. None of my cards are in my hand. <laughs> we have a double-sided card. Doric Nature's Warden. Three and a green, three, three, legendary creature, tiefling, druid, vigilance. When Doric enters a battlefield, search your library for a force and put it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. Uh, when Doric attacks, you may pay one and a green if you do transformer. Becomes a giant owl bear. Yeah, <laughs> Doric <no>. owl bear <laughs> avenger. Six, six, vigilance trample. When this creature transforms into Doric Owlbear Avenger, other legendary creatures you control get plus two, plus two, and gain trample until end of turn. At the beginning of your upkeep, transform Doric. That's kind of this that's is, very druidy. This card is cracked, right? Like yeah. I, I feel like you're able to constantly just keep pumping your legendary creatures and giving them trample. 
Yeah, for right? for two mana. For, for two, two cuz right. you can flip it whenever it attacks for two mana and then yeah, you get a a mini like overrun for your legends and then you do it again the next turn and it like even just the front side, it pays for half of its command tax every time you cast it because you're getting a forest. So it's like a repeatable, yeah. almost like solemn simulacrum from the command zone too. So yeah, I think this card's like a power level wise. I think this is way stronger than Edgin. I think this is actually like a, a very powerful card for legendary tribal decks or for like some sort of green ramp style deck. Like it's kind of a cool commander. Yeah, like I, I think this card is like really good. I. As a commander, it could be there. Like in the ninety nine, I think it's also like like great. Like I I think this is just a cool card. All right, I like the owl bear. I will be playing it for the owl bear. <laughs> the owl bear, like, and the transformation into the owl bear in the movie. I like how he transforms back. Too. You just get like one swipe, and then you're like, oh, I'm done. Back, <laughs> back to human form. Yeah. But like, like, did you see the owl bear transformation in the trailer? Like, legit, it is oh, no, sick. No. Uh, it's I don't awesome. watch trailers. Trailers nowadays like give you like the whole movie. You know? I'm like, this defeats the purpose. That's true. So I, I only true. watch trailers for like movies that I just literally know nothing about. I need to know something about the movie. But for something like yeah. this, where I know like roughly what's going on, I, I do not watch trailers. Um, all right, uh, Holga, Relentless Rager, four red red. So it's a six drop, four six. Uh, legendary creature, human barbarian, haste. Uh, Holga must be blocked if able. When Holga attacks each creature you control, uh, attacking a player gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn for each creature that player controls. Okay. This, that's that Michelle weird. Rodriguez. So each creature you control attacking <laughs> a player. Okay, so if your opponent has like five creatures and you attack them, all your creatures attacking that player get plus five, plus zero. And then right. for all your opponents around the table. Yes, but you I mean it punctured, right? No evasion, so so that is kind of an issue. So you do get chump blocked a lot. It does offer a lot of damage, though, right? Like yeah, you play this, and theoretically your opponents are gonna have a bunch of creatures, and your team just gets super huge. Kind of interesting as like a mono red token commander. I could see like almost like what Perforos wants. Like, if you want a Perforos that you have to attack with your stuff, like, it kind of reminds me of that play pattern where you just, like, go super wide, swing with this. It comes down with haste, even, so you get to do it right away and hopefully just, like, take out the table. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you can't, like, this... Each creature control attacking a player gets plus one until end of each... So, each so you want to give your opponent That's lots awesome. of creatures, right? And then you need yeah. trample, and then, like, you can hit them for a lot. But remember, there's like that rat guy where you give everyone rats, then everyone just runs yeah. their rats into each other, and like you, nothing happens. Wait, <laughs> like you. I feel like once they know what's going on, given that this is literally in your command zone, <laughs> yeah. and you start giving tokens to other players, they'll just start like killing them off. <laughs> but no? do you think you have to give people? Do you actually have to give people creatures, or do you just trust that like your opponents are going to have creatures well, because they have most three creatures. Will have creatures. Like, is this really a big deal? Like they need to have a lot of creatures. If you're playing against Krim, this is like the saddest barbarian you've ever seen, right? Yeah. Like, you, you, need I, to, I, <laughs> you really need them to have like a lot of creatures, right? This one, I, mean, I, I think if Holga didn't cost six mana, I think this would be like pretty darn cool, right? I think like three, four mana, that's the like appropriate, like, you know, cost in the current year. Six mana is, like, excessively safe. You could obviously lower I, her stats. 
I, I think this is going to be Slicer. Like, Slicer, I think this is a card that we're all going to look at in the secret layer drop and be oh, like, that's a funny little red card. And then you're going to play against it and you're like, oh my god, that's just like killing all of us. I think it's, I think it's I mean, actually Avengers just going like, to kill people. players are not happy about this. <laughs> but... <laughs> I mean, really, feels no, like how big does your Slicer... How big does your team need to be? Like, what if you're, you attack and all your stuff gets plus three, plus three? Isn't that still, like, kind of really it's, good? It's plus three, plus zero, and this is a six Or plus drop. three, plus zero. Yeah, is that, okay. Is that really... And you, you also actually... You need to be going wide yourself, too, right? To get enough pumping to make it you worth do. it. You do. Right? So yeah. you eh. require a lot of stuff to go right here for mediocre like i'd rather just flip the the owl bear and get the appropriate yeah <laughs> it's not, not as good as owl bear <laughs> not as good as owl bear that's true like owl bear feels more like like slicer to me like that card just keeps going off all right crim we got forge never winter charlatan a human rogue <laughs> a Three rogue and a baby black. two four legendary creature human rogue mm. menace ward sacrifice a creature uh, Forge gets plus two, plus zero for each treasure you control. Uh-oh. Whenever one or more players sacrifice one or more creatures, you create a tapped treasure token. This ability triggers only once each turn. So, I mean, as someone who loves edicts and rogues, right? Like, okay, they don't go on the same deck, but the thing here is, <laughs> like, I do I do think this card looks... Like it, like it has a ward trigger that's kind of built in itself to make the opponent have to sack. Like, this is pretty decent, right? Like, I think I this mean, is it, a solid creature. I mean, this card seems pretty. I I think maybe not quite owlbear busted, but I think this is the second strongest of the cards yeah. we talked about. Like, it's easy to make treasures these days, isn't? Don't if you're playing this as your commander, isn't this consistently going to be a Four mana, 10, 4, 12, 4, 20 something for like, wait, it's so, so easy. Many treasures to put... in black. Oh, you got reveling riches, you yeah, got so pitiless plunder, you got blood money, black market the, connections. The dude that makes a treasure when he comes in, the three mana one, the Skullport Merchant, Grimmling. Uh, There's actually yeah. like quite yeah, a few okay. synergies for treasures in black. And then but plus, then, like, you're black, so you can do sacrifice synergies. So if you're, yep. like, doing sacrifice loops on each turn, you can be making, what, four treasures each turn cycle. So that's, like, a decent amount of treasure production just for I that. mean, like, you lock this up with, like, a dictator or a grave pact, plus, like, a free sack outlet that you can activate in a turn cycle. You just do it on everyone's turn. Every, yeah. You're making three but, treasures but a lot. one already. You don't even need this guy. I don't know if you've won already. I wouldn't say you've won. <laughs> I, I feel my greatest plan for this is to just play Revel and Riches, rat the board, play Forge, and then Disciple <clears throat> Bowls to draw like my deck and then call it a day. Because <laughs> you're, you're at this weird thing where you have treasures and you want to use them, right? You don't want to just hoard treasures. Like, they do nothing. Uh, so to keep them pumped... We need to keep the treasures around, but you kind of want to use them. So, interesting. And also, you need, what, oh. 10 treasures to one-shot someone? Uh, yeah. So, you have Menace, like so you kind of almost do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, a little, little evasion. It has a little protection build-in. So, I, I imagine Treasure Voltron could be a thing. I would also play it in the 99 of other treasure decks, I think. Oh, like yeah. Agnes or Zeatora or whatever, Prosper. Prosper would definitely can, love this. You could try to somehow team up to take out a player because like all the other players can keep 
trying to target this thing and sacking a creature for war to make treasures to pump this up <laughs> and then like help you get in for lethal against someone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kinda, it's kind of cute. All right. Uh, Simon, wild magic sorcerer. Two in a blue, one, one, legendary creature, human elf shaman. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell with mana value three or greater, roll a d20. One to nine, each player draws a card. 10 to 19, you draw a card. 20, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for that copy. This card is hilariously fun, right? This is like a a commander that every... For the most part, I think everybody will want this on the table. Just because if you roll a 1 through (laughs) 9, everybody draws a card. (laughs) I mean, like, like this this is one of those uh, commanders where I think if you play it, It'll be legitimately some of the most fun for the table because it's all RNG. It's your luck, right? Either everybody wins or you you proffer you profit like a, like a generous amount there. So, but you have to roll ten through ten and above to get something that just strictly benefits you. One through nine benefits the table. So it's one of these cards where it's just not offensive enough to where I, like I don't want to kill this. I want I want to see what you roll. So like I I don't know like what do, what do y'all think? This is hilariously fun it's like party jace i mean it's ah, i don't really like the three mana value restriction i feel like that makes it hard to trigger consistently so to me this is yeah it does look fun like just have it sit out and everyone draws cards like if you want to do group hug things or just like to play for fun it's fine but i think this is one of the weakest cards just power level wise like oh yeah if you if you look at the cards that you play that'll trigger everyone's like pondering and counterspelling and like three mana value raider just means you're not going to actually roll for it all that often i don't think in most decks so you have to play um the the medallions or whatever like you you need to play the reductions and then have everything be three mana value and then try to storm off and pop off uh because it it is pretty fun for you to basically don't know if you're gonna win or not you're like well i need to draw and i need to hit enough 10 to 19 so that i don't draw my opponents into an answer for this card right and then when you hit that like imagine you cast a draw spell or something right and you hit that 20 you get a double you're like ah oh, yes like the critical hit so that's a pretty fun spell uh card it is fun mana value three or greater makes it fair i guess <laughs> it yeah. makes it not broken but i i i would be fine with the broken version would it really be bad if it was just any spell or mana value three or less? Half the time, I you mean, draw a table a card, right? Like half yeah, the time, you're going and, backwards, right? I think that's fair. And it's a three mana. It's a three mana one one. Like it's not. It's not yeah. like it's some super push stat. So yeah, I think it would be fine if it was any spell. I mean, if it were any spell, sure. Yeah, I, I like. I. That's a lot of card draw. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is this is definitely very safe. When you when you look at it, but like I I think as a as a card, it's clearly the weakest one. But it is gonna lead to a lot of fun if you build around it with a bunch of cheap spells, uh, and you just try to expensive have it expensive spells or <laughs> not s- cheap <laughs> spells. <laughs> I guess that's true. Like, if you if you think about how expensive the cards, uh, so or, what you gotta do all, is omniscience. Three are great. Yeah, omniscience. <laughs> then, yeah, this card's great if you have omniscience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah any, any spell would be fine because then like but i guess like this card would be busted if it like went with like consider and like brainstorm and all of what that it as though, well. half the time you draw your yeah. opponent's cards and they can answer this 
I guess that's yeah. true. Yeah. It's still yeah, okay. 50, almost right? 50 They can interact slightly whatever, in your favor. Right? Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. It does seem fun. Okay. Last card. Uh, Zenk. Paladin Unbroken. Two white, white. Two four. Legendary creature, human knight. Double strike. Or as you control, have exalted. Yeah. This... <laughs> Aura's giving your stuff exalted. I I, I think it's is kind of cool, right? Like this is a a cool like like text thing. I, I I don't know if it's actually good though. It's essentially it does play nicely in that like if you are just loaded like with auras, you are actually like double buffing your your commander essentially or whatever creature you're equipping it to. But he is kind of like wide open but he does come with double strike he doesn't have ward or anything like that i thought he'd have ward maybe okay but like paladin is this <laughs> <laughs> yeah not much protection so fragile. i mean yeah <laughs> the text is i like the text i like the idea of giving your auras exalted but yeah it's just kind of a voltron commander like play a bunch oh, of auras 100. try to kill people with it like so i feel like the play patterns not super interesting to me but if i was playing like ural or any like aura mazzy light paws some sort of voltron like aura deck i would i would probably play this I mean, or you can just build around it just a four mana enchanted creature gets plus one plus one for each aura you control like essentially right like the whatever those effects are called like is this really bad like we could it's like was it ethereal yeah. armor like one mana, whatever. Like I guess that's effects, true. Right? Two mana uh, usually. Armor. Yeah, not yeah. On a creature that can get picked off, like because you're usually stacking everything on a protected creature, but you can actually remove this one quite easily. Except yeah. you can kind of move it around. Like you can attack with a different creature each turn. So I guess it's a little more resilient, maybe. Kind but, of Voltron but yes, I guess it kind of is. Let me attack with my non-Voltron creature. Here we go. Yeah. All right. Maybe maybe it's actually just kind of bad. <laughs> I, I, as a paladin bane, I'm very sad. It doesn't feel very paladin-y. Wait, what? Auras is like the most paladin-y thing you could be playing, right? Is it? As a paladin? I don't know. I feel you should have ward. I feel he should be able to, like, ward other creatures or something. I don't know, man. He should heal or something. Like, be tanky. Anything. Should be, like, a 115 or something. You're like, you're not, you're not killing me. I deal no damage, though. I, I mean, yeah. Oh, all right. So, blade. those... Favor fail. It does. It does die to Doomblade. I gotta be bad, then. Nothing that dies to Doomblade can be good. Yeah. Anyway, those are... <laughs> Those are our spoilers for this week. Uh, like I said, more more March of the Machines coming out on Wednesday, so keep an eye out for that. MTG previews on the YouTube, all that stuff. But we got a few other topics to hit up before we get to the end of the cast. So let's do a, a little lightning round here and get through these other topics. Number one, we got a, a leadership change at TCG Player. Uh, Chetty Hampson, who I believe founded TCG Player a long time ago, uh, CEO of TCG Player, stepping down uh, about six months ago tcd was sold to ebay so richard what do you make of this i've heard some people think he must have like done something to make ebay unhappy or whatever and that's why they're booting him out or is this just kind of normal acquisitions in business that once your company gets bought out after six months or a year they kind of transition to their own people 
Oh, yeah, I think it's pretty sus, but not in the way people are thinking. So this was definitely 100% agreed upon, like, when they sold the company. People are saying, like, oh, maybe it's the union thing or maybe it's whatever. Like, nah, it's like this was definitely um, pre-planned. Six months is pretty short, though. So oftentimes it's like a year, like, you know, you stay on for a year or maybe like forever as like a consultant or some, you know, diminished role. Uh, but they're like, you know, we need you to keep the company together. So like, yes, you, you made it, but we need you to stick around. eBay was like, nah, we're good. <laughs> we're good. Six <laughs> months. We don't need you. Which tells me like eBay has its own plans. Like they don't really care whatever they were doing, TCG Player was doing. So get ready for some changes, whatever that is. Like, I, you know, so eBay installed their... Um, VP of collectibles, Gene Cook. So they'll, he'll, uh, they'll be taking over TCG Player. And this six-month transition tells me that they don't really care what the heck TCG Player was doing. Like, they got their own plans. Uh, so now we're going to see, like, whatever eBay's vision for TCG Player is come to fruition. Um, yeah, it and, should yeah. be in interesting to see how... Yeah, that's kind of my take on it, too, that I'm sure I expected this was probably a planned thing rather than some random thing that happened. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this is good or bad for... People selling on TCG Player, buying on TCG Player, now that eBay's presumably going to have an even more active role. Like, they've owned it for six months, but now it seems like it's going to be their people that are actively running it. So, we'll see if that means anything, if prices go up or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. It'll be, it will be interesting. So, uh, we so, also got... Oh, well, go I was just going to say, it's interesting. that So, TCG Player started with Magic, essentially, right? And mm -hmm. uh, they, they branched out to other things. Uh, so, like, TCG Player has always been kind of magic central. Uh, e eBay's VP of collectibles is probably everything but magic central, right? eBay, like, <laughs> sells, like, everything. And they're like, well, you know, Pokemon cards make so much money, right? Or, like, random comic book makes so much money, right? So, I I'm curious if, like, magic gets deprioritized, like, further because... Um, like, they don't have kind of that, like, you know, oh, we started with magic and there's, like, the soft spot for us and, and whatever, yeah, right? Like, none of that, right? Yeah. They're like, nah, right? Like, <laughs> Superman number one is where it's at, right? We're, we're turning this into a comic book store, so I don't know, right? So it'll be interesting to see where uh, TCG Player goes from here. Plus, like, eBay doesn't have the best reputation for buying magic cards i think they've tried to improve it and they got the thing now with like expensive cards they have to be graded like they send them to someone to like uh check their authenticity and whatnot but especially before that i know people were a little sketched out just about getting like counterfeits or like what if i need to return something what if it's a scam so maybe maybe this will be a good thing maybe this will help improve ebay as far as their magic cards or like you said it could go the other direction where maybe that just gets deprioritized but in other news, Krim, we got a topic that I know you're excited about. Oathbreaker is kind of an official format. You love making people miserable in uh, games of magic, <laughs> and Oathbreaker is the perfect format for that. Uh, how hyped are you, Krim, now that Oathbreaker is real? <clears throat> I mean, I, I've already <laughs> prepped my, my two decks for, uh, oh. for Richmond. What are they, Krim? Uh, I, I've got Gaia Dehada, uh, okay, Gaia Drone Dehada, right, with uh -huh. Siphon Insight. And then I've got okay, Ashiok okay. Nightmare Weaver with Tasha's Hideous Laughter. 
So oh God. I've got <laughs> okay. I've got my two decks and I've prepped them and I'm ready for Richmond. Gaia drone, Dahada, just pretty much gonna steal all your stuff. <laughs> and Siphon Insight, a great card to have with that. Or that's interchangeable. You could play that with Tasha, but I like having Grixis spells. So I don't know. Oathbreaker, I'm gonna try it again. Play it again, right? Like when we played, we mostly played one v one, right? So uh, obviously that's the a deck where when I was originally playing Teferi Silence, great in one v one. Right? Amazing Mm -hmm. in 1v1. Absolutely (laughs) terrible in a four-player game. I got completely dumpstered. I remember when we played it, we brought two more people into the pod, and I got dumpstered. Right? Like, because all that happened was I locked one person out while everyone else was beating up on me. So, like, (laughs) uh, I don't know. What do you think, Richard? Like, is this, does this matter? Is this a big deal in any, any way? Nah. So, I mean, so... So being an officially recognized format means it showed up on the Wizards website, right? So that means yeah. like if you're like, oh, how can I play Magic the Gathering? There's like a section on Oathbreaker that tells you the rules of Oathbreaker. The biggest problem with Oathbreaker was balance. There's like yeah. some insanely broken things because you essentially just have a two-card combo sitting in the command zone. Uh I don't know that any of this fixes any of that. I actually still have my two Oathbreaker decks that we built way back when the format first popped off. It's a fun thing to play. But, you know, when people do quite degenerate things like <coughs> Krim, Krim, Krim <laughs> degenerate, but like bad things, right? You can do degenerate, but like actually really good, right? Like the equivalent of like Demonic Consultation Thoracle in your command zone, essentially, yeah. uh, is possible because you have two cards sitting there. Uh, is the problem. So I, I don't know. So maybe with all of this um, focus on Oathbreaker, like they they try to balance it more or something. I, I I don't know what will happen, but a lot of people looking at the format right now. And the last time I looked at it, it was the, the balance that was kind of uh, weird. Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am at with it too. Like the balance isn't good. It's even more so than I think actual commander. It's a format that really benefits from people wanting to play it casually, like played casually. The idea is really cool. Cause you're like, Oh, I can play like my favorite Chandra is my commander. And then I can have uh whatever Chandra's outrage or some like flavorful Chandra card. And I have like the ultimate flavor deck going on like that. That part of it's really cool. But if you try to build it uh, degenerately, it is really easy to end up with broken, unfun stuff. So I think if you do decide to try it out, like, but try playing it for fun. Like if you want to try to break Oathbreaker, you definitely can break Oathbreaker and people will probably stop playing with you after a few games because they're going to get sick of it. But if you want to play it for fun, it's a, it definitely is an interesting format if you treat it that way. Speaking I mean, of, there's oh, definitely ahead, Narset and like, what is it? Windfall that you could do. That's oh obviously really, yep. really yep. busted. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Or <laughs> to very silence, Krim. <laughs> okay, <but laughs> even don't... though it's not good. It yeah. Just, don't do you that. You made me quit the format, Krim. It wasn't even good, <laughs> but you, you ruined it for me. <laughs> uh, I, it's strictly not even optimal because I found out you sh- I should have just been playing Orem's chant. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of broken things, Magic Arena has literally been broken since the last update. Uh, there's a bug impacting I know for sure Ninjas, Kanui, and Blazing Torch of all cards, two unplayable cards, but they're cards that sacrifice themselves to deal so much damage. 
And the way the bug works is if you sacrifice them, it sacrifices all your permanents and each of your permanents will deal that amount of damage. So there's like some really fast combo kills with these cards in their bugged form. Uh, and people have been abusing the bug and wizards put out a thing about like, we're trying to fix it, but please stop abusing the bug. We're gonna suspend you if you like abuse the bug. What do you make of all this? Obviously bugs are gonna happen. My question is, why don't they just ban these cards? Like, these are two cards that literally have no impact outside of Limited. No one is playing these fairly. Like, they're only playing them to abuse the bug. Wouldn't the easiest path forward just to be, like, to temporarily suspend them until they can fix them? I mean, yeah. Like, just don't even leave it on the the, the client for right now. And that's, but I, that's what I would think. Like, every game <clears throat> do it. When there's yeah. a bug, they can block a character or game piece from ranked i don't yeah. know why wizards never built this in or hasn't built this in on the several occasions it's happened since release uh maybe they should use this opportunity to build it in <laughs> so that they can even even because find something like uh it'll take us like two weeks to disable it so rather than disable it, we'll just fix it because it could take two weeks anyway uh but it really should take like 20 seconds like someone presses a button like this card is blocked <laughs> and then you can fix the bug on your your schedule right uh so it's weird they haven't built this in maybe they should build it in now because it i don't know it's like the it's like a handrail or something right like well just don't fall but you're like people are gonna fall okay so you gotta put the <laughs> handrail there like you can't just be like people won't fall uh there will be bugs with cards right you just need to be able to stop it and, you know, threatening everyone on a Twitter post like no one reads is, like, not, <laughs> not particularly useful. Because, like, what if you found the bug? You're like, what? And then you tried it again. And you're like, huh? And you're like, oh, this is kind of funny. Ha-ha. <laughs> and then you got banned because you didn't read the Twitter post, right? Um, so, I, or, I, I don't know. Just, just, just have a button. Some <laughs> Yeah, I just have a button. Or some people are actually like, well, if that's the way the game works, like, that's how it works. <laughs> like, it's it's right for me to win that way, since those are how the actual cards are working at the moment. So some people, like, intentionally just keep doing it. But, yeah, hopefully they figure out a better uh, better system for that in the future for banning stuff. Um, last thing I wanted to mention before, before actually two things. Two things real quick. Uh, one is we have some Ixalan information. Uh, Krim, you gotta, you gotta settle this for us. So the information that came out is Ixalan is going to be an underground set. When I heard that, I pictured like mole people in caves. Right, right. When Richard heard that, he pictured like streets of New Capenna, some sort of like criminal underground type of setting. What do you think it is? Are we literally going underground or or is there another meaning to underground? I am going to take it one farther. <laughs> and I think it's going to be demons and pirates <laughs> and they're going to the underworld. Ooh. Hey, that sounds realistic. <laughs> I could see that. Like, 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 legitimately think Pirates of the Caribbean. Right? Okay. But, like, instead of, like, you know, uh, Squid Monster Guy, it's like Squid Monster Guy teams up and fights demons. I think it's going to be absurdly in the other direction of Campy. And this way, it's not as boring of a set. Because if it's just Pirates... Going underground, I think it's going to be kind of boring. <laughs> like, like, okay, so uh, it, that's that's too on the nose of a response, right? So that's why I think Capenna. Okay, I don't even know what that means. Like, like, wait, we would go underground into like in what way? What right. is Capenna? I, I hear your pirates, and I give you. <laughs> 
the Pirate Bay, Krim. We go underground Ooh, and start okay. printing proxies <laughs> and counterfeits. Yes. Okay. It's okay. A set about counterfeits. Yeah. It's a set all about proxies. You make your own cards as we go. I got but it. Like, like I got it. Underground organizations, criminal, like essentially every new competitor, which is why it's probably not true, but like. What the heck are mole people, man? <laughs> like, <is this> okay, <laughs> like, you, you, you dig down, you're like, oh my god, there's this world under here that's just another world, and it's like, it's people cobalt. that can't see for some reason. <laughs> yeah, know, right? yeah. Okay, well, we're closer to kobolds than we are to underground, like, like you know, crime organizations, right? I would say it's closer to kobolds, but I think you go one farther than the kobolds. You go to the underworld. You see like this, like all these more but, fantasy but, like but that, creatures that's like the afterlife that's not underground anymore like you've got that like, gets us fair it's like you right. go so deep you just pop out in china you're like it's just another it's, okay it's just another. okay that's that's fair <laughs> so maybe it I, is on the nose and it's literally just kobolds though okay okay what if, what if yeah. you go underground and you find water perhaps it's a sea of some sort and then you need Ooh. to print a chase card and you'll call it underground uh, uh, sea the, the, <laughs> huh sounds familiar and problematic in that there's a, a list. I don't mean the list. I mean a list. <laughs> it's got to be like journey to the center of the earth. Like that's yeah. that's how I picture it. It's yeah. like that's like literally underground adventure. Would still like it's got to be the Ixalan theme. Okay, okay. There's still got to be dinosaurs. True, I, and I got stuff, the last but... one for you. Okay, they go underground. Okay. And they have a dance off. It's a BTS theme set. It's like an okay. underground okay. J-pop. Okay. Group. BTS is K-pop, Richard. And second off. I know, but I'm just saying there's like underground J-pop. And there's, you know, they're like break dancing down there. It's like a dance off, right? Like And then and okay. then what? And then what's the gimmick of the set? Like, like you, you gotta the gimmick you gotta, is you gotta you have to do a dance off between two cards. Your it's, opponent? It's, it incorporates a new battle mechanic. The battle's oh, actually yeah. a dance. It's a dance. Battle? A dance oh, battle, dude. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't oh, actually no. factor that in there. Okay, you know what? Oh. Yeah, that's Richard's making a lot of sense, Seth. You're clearly it's, pitching it's the most ridiculous a idea. Dance battle. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, no, I think Richard, Look, there's so many Richard dance battle movies that this, this has to be popular. Like, there's no uh, way. I mean, you know what? Like, sure. I, I just found out that like dating shows are more popular than they ever were. So, like, really? like, 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 I'm talking like The Bachelor and Bachelor? stuff like that. Yeah, so like you know what? Why not have a, a dance battle? I I might have missed the whole window where where that became popular to where it came into card games. Oh, uh, bold people, like bold people. Mole I think people. of like yeah. the the mutants underground. Yes, <laughs> why, why, why are people exactly. underground? Right? They're like hiding from the dinosaurs or something, right? Like, I mean, yeah, like okay, that that is it. It is journey to the center of the earth, right? Like that's probably what it's going to be. Without dancing. <laughs> uh, all right, last last topic, uh, and we're gonna hit this one real quick. So Mark Rosewater posted his teaser for March of the Machines. Uh, I'll try to link it in the description if you want to read it over. There's a ton of stuff on there, so we can't go over all of it. But there's one notable thing, which is we're getting the tenth of the sword cycle, which means we get to find out if Krim's blue black sword. How close is that to actual reality? What were what was your sword again, Krim? Do you remember the abilities from the oh, podcast a few weeks uh, ago? It, it yeah gave pro blue black as you would understand typical sword stuff but then it's like when you connect so it it, it would ha it would be that you would give out minus one minus one counters maybe like two okay. or minus or, or three or something like that 
<clears throat> and then it would also allow you to exile off the top of your opponent's library. And then you can play uh, whatever's exiled off the top and spend mana as if they were mana of any color. I actually think that ability could be a thing. Uh, they, they they have, like, Siphon Insight. People love yeah. that card. People love Ganti and stealing their opponent's cards. I don't know about the negative one, negative one counters and proliferate standard. It seems like they tried to avoid that. But I do think the, the thieving ability could actually work. So I'm excited to see the, the last of the swords. Isn't the negative one, negative one ability exactly why you'd play it right now in a proliferate standard? Well, no, I think Wizards, like, I feel like Gavin recently said, like, we intentionally didn't put any negative or negative one counters in the standard. Like, I think someone from Wizards said they were, like, not doing that. Maybe Whack. they make an exemption for the sword, though. Just uh, put one it's... negative two, negative two counter. Yo! Yeah. <laughs> we're going, going back to Homeland. There it is. Empires. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They don't want that proliferated. Uh, anyway, I think those are all of our topics. Ooh, Richard, can we squeeze in a super quick fish mail this week? All right. If you have questions, send it to at MG Goldfish with the hashtag MG Fish Mail. Uh, at Sebi DC3244. When I play Commander with my friends who tend not to use counter magic in casual games, but when I go to my LGS, not everyone follows that. And of course, uh, of course, how many counter spells on average should I be running against players I have not played with before? Oh, no. We're going to have very different answers to this. So, okay, so I, the, the, the gist is when I play at home, no one plays counter spells. But I go to my LGS, right. people play counter spells. How many counter spells should I play? So, <laughs> I mean, I normally play like. <laughs> not even joking. I might play. In a generic deck, I would play like two or three, maybe, like at the most. Like, I usually have like a counter spell or a mana drain. And then maybe there's a flexible one. Like, if you have the mana, like Archmage's Charm is really sweet because you can turn it into card draw if you need to. But I'm usually in the like right around two or three. I, it comes down to what kind of deck, though. Legitimately, it does come yeah. down to the deck, right? Like, if you're like an aggro deck, I think there's no reason for you to pack a ton of counter spells. What you should pack as a counter spell instead. It's a way to protect your board, like Teferi's Pros, uh, Clever Concealment, play a bunch of those. But if you're a tempo control deck, let's just say like your ninjas, rogues, or a control deck, whatever, uh, then I would look at at least, there's already like a, a lock, right, for four spots. Mana Drain, Arcane Denial, uh, like depending if you can, if you're blue, white, Dovin's Veto, Fierce Guardianship, right? That's already like four locks. Uh, I I think that are just like safe to always include, and then uh that then you start like like you could add forces if you really like are, are shelling out the dough or whatever. Um, but yeah, like for the most part, there's four counters you should play, and then if you're like a tap out control deck, just play like maybe mana drain because that's a ramp spell. Uh, Arcane denial mana drain is, is like probably the correct one there. Uh, if you're like a tap out control, but if you're tap uh, like draw go control then you go ham and that's where you where you go to like like the unholy levels where if it's not a counter spell it's a board wipe or an answer and i think you're looking at like 10 at least just counter spells straight up like like 10 to 11 somewhere around how many there. do you how many do you play richard zero well i mean okay so, so realistically like one Probably two I max out at. Uh, but given the nature of this question, if you don't normally play with counter spells, that means your deck doesn't need counter spells, right? And I would actually do what Crim said and just put in more redundancy, like Teferi's Protection or or whatever. Clever like whatever you fear getting countered, just play another one, right? So that if yeah. you get countered, 
you can play another one. Also, if you are actually very fearful of counter spells, then you play the anti-counter spell cards, not the counter spells themselves, right? So you would play Grand Abolisher, uh, whatever the equipment thing is that you can equip. Three fairy if you if you're in blue white. Yeah, three fairy. So yeah, so unless you're playing a deck like Krim was describing, like it's a control deck or whatever that already has ample counter spells, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother. Yeah. Don't don't just, dilute your game plan. Just back up your game plan more, right? Because yeah. you're gonna have to push counter. Like someone's got to force those counter spells. Let let Krim counter his own spells. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just let. <clears throat> or or have the table pretty much play stuff that's more threatening than you I, play I, I, play I the that's slow the real game. Answer, right? You let other people yeah. bait out the counter spells, right? Yeah. Then, someone so if you know someone ha- has counter spells, don't play like the bombiest best thing on the board that must be dealt with because that'll get counter spell. Let someone else do it. And then right. when Krim's empty handed because he countered everything, then you play your thing. <laughs> yeah. Correct. And 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 be cautious of where you sit. <laughs> Don't yeah, sit yeah. right in front of Krim. You wanna <laughs> you wanna be right behind Krim, ideally, the Krim players, so they don't know if they should spend their counters on you. Being the right. person right before the counter spell player is that's the worst. Yeah, like know. like yeah. it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're just probably gonna get got anyways. <laughs> <laughs> gotta gotta spend it on something. Yeah. Can't let that mana go to waste. Oh, so uh, anyway, Richard, in the future, if people want to send in more questions, how should they do that? All right, send them over to at Goldfish with the hashtag MTGFishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 426 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting this show. And we will be back next week to talk about March of the Machine spoilers and whatever else goes on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a lovely week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.